Blog Talk Radio. a longtime maritime and aviation attorney who owns the firm Moore & Company, based in South Florida. Michael has more than 30 years of experience in these fields, and besides serving with prestigious organizations like the Maritime Arbitration Board, he has repeatedly been named by peers and various media as one of the state's legal leaders and top lawyers. Also related to yachting, he is currently chairman of the Seakeeper Society. Through his representation of yacht owners and buyers, as well as his dealings with shipyards and other superyacht firms, Michael has a wealth of knowledge about contracts, financing issues, and other matters related to buying, owning, and selling mega yachts. He has some helpful advice to ensure that owners steer clear of some common mistakes, no matter what yacht-related transaction they're about to undertake. So let's get started. Michael, welcome to Mega Yacht News Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Terrific. Glad to have you here. Let's start with your background. What led you to specialize in maritime law? Well, it was, uh, you know, I think the process of elimination, uh, it was, uh, uh, law school was always on my mind, and, but once I started law school, I started eliminating the areas I didn't like, uh, like criminal law uh, or divorce law, where I think, you know, the clients basically shoot you at the end of the matter. <laughs> uh, but maritime law seemed like a wonderful way to uh, live uh, my life and, and practice. Okay, great. Now, what exactly is maritime law? It, you know, obviously it relates to the ownership of vessels, but it goes beyond that to a lot of different things. So, can you describe what it encompasses? You know, I think that uh, there's there's a lot of confusion about the the words. Uh, you know, what is maritime law? People speak of maritime commerce. Uh, they speak of admiralty law uh, and jurisdiction, but not normally. Uh, about, for example, admiralty commerce, and so I think maritime is more the the the, the idea of uh, commerce among nations and uh, uh, you know the carriage of goods by sea, and it does get into anything that floats. Uh, and admiralty basically is the same thing, except admiralty is more more the legal side of things, the jurisdiction of admiralty law, things that touch water, basically navigable waters. Okay. So then why, um, why would it be important for an owner or a buyer to have a maritime attorney as part of their team? I think a lot of people might think that they could just use the same lawyer that they've been using for their other business dealings and other you know, large purchases and, and transactions throughout life. You know, I think um, it's like so many things um, uh, these days. Um, uh, people always want to you know, of course, be well represented, and I think uh, lawyers want to, you know, give their clients good advice. But uh, uh, this is the age of specialization, and um, uh, this is a one of the one of the very first uh, highly specialized areas. It's uh, um, it's just uh, it's the nature of things that cross borders, uh, things that move around. Um, the we we have to deal in flags of you know various nations. The the 17 overseas territories of the United Kingdom, for example, are 
you know, nation, uh, national flags uh, such as you know, uh, American flag or French flag or Italian flag. But it's 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 something that that most lawyers simply would would not have um, uh, any occasion to uh, be involved with. And quite frankly, uh, I think the better lawyers who are not maritime lawyers tend to hire maritime lawyers for their maritime matters. Mm, okay. I'd say 30% of our practice is uh, referrals by other law firms. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it is. It's a credit, I think, to the lawyers uh, who um, refer things to us. And, of course, it's a two-way street. We don't really handle any number of disciplines in the law. We would never, for example, handle a, uh, a, a criminal case or, uh, I mentioned earlier, a divorce case, something like that, that might come in through the door um, through one of our clients or a real estate matter, we would always go to a specialist. Mm-hmm, right, makes sense, definitely. Mm-hmm. Even well-educated buyers who are smart business people, I think, can make mistakes when it comes to commissioning a new build. You know, as much as they feel they may have already done their homework, there are still things I think they may overlook. So in your experience, what would you say are, say, two or three of, of the most common errors? Well, you know, you've you've mentioned several things that I think are very important. Um, the world that we principally deal in is highly successful people, um, almost ultra successful people, um, particularly in the yacht world. Uh, they are highly educated, um, and sometimes um, I think uh, some of them, you know, maybe they have become sort of a master of the universe. So they've achieved such amazing success and. Uh, now they're going to enjoy the fruits of that success. And uh, with all of their degrees and all of their education and all of their success, um, they they then, uh, and, and inherently they are smart, they will sometimes suspend that uh, uh, that training, that good education, and get into an area where they simply will not know what they don't know. And um, you mentioned um, uh, new build. Uh, that's That's an area that really is a... A minefield of, of problems. Um, um, I say this with you know 30 years of dealing with them. It's it's the most uh, difficult area in terms of things that do go wrong. Um, you simply cannot, um, you know, the someone who owns a, a large, let's say, a publicly traded company, they would never go out and start to build a house or just a trust a. They would normally have people of all kinds of disciplines advising them, but yet. We do see, uh, uh, from time to time, uh, new 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 owners of people that are getting into yachting for the first time go out and sign major contracts, sixty million, hundred million euro contracts or dollar contracts, and and sort of live to regret it. And what do they overlook? They overlook everything. Um, these are complicated uh, products. I mean, uh, you know, you, there are power plants and sanitation plants and cooling plants and. And, and and that's just the different installations, uh, uh, to name just a few. I mean, the the specifications on these new builds are you know usually a, you know in the in the range of at least a hundred pages of uh, very detailed specifications as to what yacht the owner wishes to to have at the end of the at the end of the process. So uh, you know they'll, they they would overlook almost everything. So I'm I'm very much concerned about that area of our practice and. Uh, the new build practice is one that requires a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. You know, you just touched on this a moment ago, um, the, the project management team, basically, um, when you said that uh, an owner wouldn't just go out and build a house. You know, they would hire the right people. 
When it comes to the project management team, what type of experience do you advise the owners to look for? Uh, you know, are there any anecdotes that you can share um, in how you helped steer an owner in the right direction? You know, it, it, it's such an important thing. The um, and I think the industry is evolving and maturing in a way. I think only a few years ago, we uh, the expression "build captain" was often um, seen, and you know, captains are, can be like so many walks of life. You can have very good captains. You can have not so good captains. Uh, but the fact that you're licensed um, as a master to operate a vessel um, does not in any way mean that you're uh, competent to oversee a, a project of, of the of the magnitude that we routinely see in the in the in the yacht world um, so the, the your first point of a project manager that that is a key um, uh, selection uh, uh, that is not a lawyer by the way I think sometimes lawyers are like other types of people certain types of lawyers maybe think they can do anything but that is a very a very uh, specialized and highly technical area. Um, I see the uh, the positive results from the from the talented uh, project managers that that we see on the projects that we're involved with, and 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 believe me, that's that's all the difference in the world uh, to having a great yacht uh, come out at on, on at time of delivery. I mean, the yacht manager, the project manager who represents the owner's interest, is there. Uh, day to day, hour to hour, week to week, year to year, until that vessel is delivered, as per the specifications, and getting the right people. I mean, I'm very concerned if um, if um, um, the person who's being um, put forth as a project manager does not have a resume and does not have a pedigree of yachts that they've worked on, where they've sort of worked them, them you know, their way up through the ranks. Uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a vitally important uh, selection. It's not to be taken lightly, and I I can tell you that uh, when it is taken lightly, the results are usually uh, you know uh, reflect that. Mm, right. Now, what if an owner goes to the other extreme? You know, they're they're trying to take this very seriously and weigh everything very carefully, and they end up hiring you know a project management team that's too many chefs, so to speak. Yeah, what do you do in a situation like that? It, I'm sure it's it's probably a very delicate conversation that has to be held. You know, it is. It's it's difficult. Um, people who are um, who have achieved this kind of success in life that can where they can afford the ultimate um, toy or pleasure vehicle, um, and it is that. I mean, the people that get into yachting are you you just uh, you you just don't ever go back you most most of the most clients once they're into yachting if they can afford to continue the lifestyle um, they will stay in yachting their entire uh, life and I think that um, part of the process part of the pleasure is having that vessel built to achieve you know your particular vision your dreams everything from um, you know the, the you know the kind of parameters or or um, um, of speed and, and, and draft. I mean, you may have a certain draft at your uh, behind your house or if you have a uh, home on the water or, or range. If you're someone who enjoys long-range cruising, you have to account for these sort of things. And, uh, you know, we've had owners who are very sensitive to heat. They like things cold. I mean, we have one yacht, we call it the ice box, but it's because it's just <laughs> absolutely cold when you're inside. It's 
rather interesting. Um, but his entire family likes it that way, so it's, it's that's their deal. Uh, but I think that the hands-on owner um, I, uh, that you refer to, these are, uh, generally speaking, these men and women are, in fact, very much sort of the hands-on type people. They're very uh, self-starting. They are very directive. They are used to basically, um, um, uh, you know, in a psychological profile, I think they are what are called leaders. <laughs> and they <laughs> right. tend to lead. They do not follow very well. You do become kind of a master of, of diplomacy um, because they are usually highly intelligent and they do tend to take hints. Um, and good, here again, I mean, that team that you referred to, that good project manager, having the right people, um, and it may be the captain, but, I, you know, I, I, I remember recently I had a captain who's the captain of a uh, beautiful uh, mega yacht by any standards. It's approaching 300 feet, uh, going through a 30 million euro refit in Germany. And I took the captain aside and I said, do you really want to be the project manager here? You've got a wonderful job. I'd like to see you have the job when the project is finished. He said, you know, I've been flying awake at night worrying about that. What can I do? And I said, you need to get yourself a project manager. But he had to convey to the owner who loves him and thinks he's wonderful, and he is. But, you know, he had to, uh, I said, you know, you're just going to have to take deep breath and, and go in there and tell him, if I'll tell him for you, but I think you need to get a proper project manager for this refit, and and I don't think you're the guy. I think you're one of the best captains in the industry. But get someone between you and the and the yard, and you and you interface with the owner. That's a nice line of communication. Right, I, right. I think at the end of the day, everyone will be happy, and I think that project's moving along very nicely because of the, you know this this captain's willingness to approach his hands-on owner and say. Let's not be quite so hands-on on this deal. Let's let these <laughs> right. people do their job. Right, right. That's good. That's good to hear. You know, in in talking about the the project management and um, you know the the nitty-gritties of systems and things like that, it brings to mind the safety regulations like MCA and SOLAS. Do you find that owners these days are? <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Do you find owners are more educated these days about those matters or? Do you find that you sometimes need to explain their impact when it comes to the details that need to be put into the contracts and you know even budgets because it adds to the cost of the yachts too? You know, I think it's an interesting. That's an interesting thing. There's a lot of confusion, um, you know, in the uh, globally. I th I'll start with what some people think of as as um, sort of safety requirements. I mean, the, globally, for Many, many years. I mean, I, 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 I'm going to say in one form or another, for over 100 years, uh, there have been entities that evolved into what we today know as classification societies. Classification societies are, are almost um, quasi-governmental in nature. They, they've grown up in places uh, like, uh, like England uh, with respect to the Lloyd's Classification Society or America with respect to American Bureau of Shipping. But there's also the German, you know, Germanischer Lloyd and uh, Det Norsk Veritas uh, and so on and so forth. There's, you know, there's maybe a, a half a dozen to a dozen in the world, if you, depending on where you draw the line. And these people are experts and they're specialists in, in ensuring that the vessel that is being built is safe 
is safe. It is. They are not about aesthetics. They grew. That, those class societies grew up in the world of commercial shipping, but they are now very heavily into the the world of yachting. Um, and I personally believe they are worth uh, the the money that you pay them to be a third party looking on and pronouncing that this vessel is built, as they say, in class. And when a drawing is presented, they stamp it, and when the, when the installation is finished, they stamp it again as built, meaning it has been built to the standards of class and to the, and to the drawing itself, the engineering drawings. Now, you also have other organizations that have a slightly different perspective, and probably the best of which is the so-called MCA or the Marine and Coast Guard uh, Agency. But the MCA is really nothing more than the English um, uh, Coast Guard. It would be equivalent to the United States Coast Guard. It is, in fact, the English Coast Guard. But very early on, they took an interest in the yachting world. They they looked beyond their shipping fleets and they and their the, the and the flags of the overseas territories uh, and the Crown Dominions. And they knew that there was something they didn't quite have their arms around. You know, with um, um, the flags that were growing and becoming the leaders in the world, like the Cayman Islands, which is a which is a an MCA flag uh, or a red ensign flag. Um, so they 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 looked very very closely at Bermuda and Bahamas and and the Cayman Islands. Uh, there's a little bit of a historical departure, by the way, just to make just to be clear, not to be overly de- uh, technical, but between Cayman Islands and and the true English flag. Now the Cayman Cayman Islands is an overseas territory, but it really has its own independent sort of overview, which is like MCA. It's very close to MCA, but but I think that. All the all of these things are reflected, for example, in underwriting. An insurance company looks at a yacht that's MCA approved or, or, or let's say, Lloyd's class, and immediately that underwriter knows this is a very safe vessel, and they are now more oriented to the operators of the vessel than to the vessel itself. Whereas if the vessel is not in class or not in the MCA certified, uh, well, you know, now we have to be more more concerned as an underwriter, an insurance underwriter, um, and uh, so it, it sort of. I think it. I think you get. I think you get your money back, and of course, value, um, you know, can also be realized on resale. When you resell a vessel, you know, in a very meaningful way, uh, if the money you spent on getting MCA compliance or or, or classification. Um, society compliance was worth it i think generally it is and i'll, I'll mention one other thing and tell me please please don't hesitate to cut, cut in if i <laughs> go, go too long here but i think it's interesting because the other the final piece is um uh, chartering um i think that probably there are many many I, i'm almost going to hazard a percentage guess but i'm thinking 80 percent of charter brokers in the world um because they don't necessarily know personally, and as they know to some extent, they've seen the, the seen the dimensions, they've seen the photographs, they've talked to the captain, but they're not technical people. When they see MCA, they are very much more inclined to recommend that yacht to their clients. I'm telling you, it's almost a religion. It's a little bit of a of a of a um, uh, almost what, what is the word bias in favor of MCA um, certified vessels. Um, but charter brokers love to see MCA compliant. 
yeah, on on their charter boats because you know they care about their clients. They know they're that's a that's a higher caliber vessel. Right, right. Well, I think some of that may have also come out from the the early days of MCA. I remember when it was um, when it was first coming down. There was obviously a lot of resistance because some people felt it was an agency that didn't quite understand the yachting world and was viewing it as mm-hmm. being this, you know, oh, these people who are just, you know, fancying around and they're not really paying attention to mm-hmm. safety. Um, I agree. And then w- when people tried to really, you know, kind of meet in the middle, so to speak, they said, okay, well, you know, there really are some good points about MCA. So a lot of people started to look more favorably on MCA. but Exactly. Like you're saying, these days, you know, with the classification societies and just in general, I think, um, you know, it's maybe perhaps people don't need to be as concerned because the standards are absolutely there. When you when you think of the safety record as a whole in the yachting, um, it's it's really r- remarkable. I mean, it's a very, very high caliber um, people operating the vessels for the most part, and the vessels themselves that have these kinds of oversight um, are 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 in fact safe. I, I can remember that when the MCA came along. You know, there was a actually there was a, a situation with a couple of yachts, and that's what got the government's attention. And they and they really looked at it very very closely. There, they, things developed in the in the in the tragedy that should not have developed. They and the and the MCA uh, as a government entity looked into it and said, okay, we're going to change a lot of these things. I'll give an example. I mean, historically, you, you, may, you might not have thought about a staircase being made of uh, a beautiful wood. Well, the MCA looks at that and says, no, 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 you can have a wood veneer, but that staircase has to be there come what may. If there's a fire below, that staircase has to be still standing when the fire's out. So that staircase has to be made of metal. And I remember you know, owners pushing back on that and yards pushing back, and this was years ago. And But you could see the logic, um, placement of bulkheads, these sort of things. It, it's had a tremendously um, positive effect where most yards now build to those standards pretty much as a matter of course. They, they really do. I mean, I think you have to be, there has to be oversight um, um, there's always a new naval, you know, a naval arch- architect with a new design, um, and um, you know, with, and so you need a little oversight by third parties, not just someone who's creating a, a cool design, but someone that's creating a design that's very, very safe and you know, tested in different ways. And they, that's what they do, and so that's been a very good thing for the industry. I think it's led to a lot more. Uh, success in global yachting. I, you can only imagine what would have been the result had yachts, you know, frequently had uh, disasters. It would have been a, a cloud on the entire industry uh, worldwide. And I think with the better yacht builders and the better uh, operators and the and the better brokerage houses that charter, you know, have the charter services and the charter brokers who have the independent operations, they're all, a, you know, net positive thinking about the clients and making sure they have a wonderful and pleasurable, you know, experience. Right. Right. It's the business of pleasure. I think some people take it a little lightly, but believe me, as a lawyer on the end, we see things. We we appreciate what what uh, the good good people in the trenches are doing out there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Let's switch gears a little from from safety to finances. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, given the upheaval in the banking industry over the past couple of years, uh, past couple of months, oh, God, mm-hmm. not making the past couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, well, it's changing it's, rapidly. It changes month to month, it seems. Right, right. Well, that's that's one of the things I was thinking because I'm hearing so much about how loans are just in general, you know, even outside the outing industry, loans are getting so much harder to obtain. There's so much more paperwork. There's so much more being asked for. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to yacht buying and financing, you know, how is this affecting your clients? Are are they being asked to furnish more money up front, for example? Um, you know, or are they even trying to negotiate prices to make things better? You know, what are what are some of the things that they're facing and some of the things that you're advising them to do? One of the, the first thing that I think is it, it's, it has been an interesting period. Um, I think for a while there, when uh, money was um, uh, easy. Um, and um, and uh, flowing, and there was plenty. This seemed to be a, a wash in available cash, and we, you know, no one really knew how. Basically, what you saw was just sort of a standard note and mortgage. It was considered a personal, um, a personal loan, and you know, the high net worth individual would simply sign on the dotted line for the note, and the vessel would be pledged as a, as collateral, and you know, off they would go, and it was usually about 80% of value to, on the very liberal terms, 50% of value to 80% of value. And um, the, the the average term, I think, was about seven to eight years, and generally that was okay because yacht owners, you know, it's the old story, what's the perfect size yacht, and answer's 10 feet bigger than the one you own. <laughs> right. And so they were always trading. I think there probably was some are some industry statistics on how often yacht owners trade, I personally enjoy the yachts which stay in families for generation after generation. I think those are the really cool, um, where the yacht literally becomes you know part of the family, um, and you see that in Monaco and places, um, um, you know, where you can point in the harbor and say, oh, that that's the you know that's the Nassus family vessel or that's the Lassus family vessel or what have you. But I think that what we what we started seeing, and it's an interesting thing, the when the banks seemed to lock up, they seemed to freeze up with their lending. What we immediately saw, um, not immediately, but within a few months, we started seeing very creative ways of buying and selling yachts. And what we uh, saw were, and continue to see, is, you know, you'll have one owner who is, uh, let's assume that, um, you know, he just needs to cut overhead. He's had some reversals. uh, He's got lots of assets. Um, but he needs to cut his overhead because his cash flow is is becoming uh, reduced because the market, maybe his customers are not paying, so his cash flow has been reduced and is maybe a a larger scale of, a let's say, a company that he owns. So he's not desperate per se, but with the right buyer, he would be willing to um, charter that vessel uh, to the right buyer. that buyer there is is now achieving his objective of getting into yachting, and maybe he's got some uh, some he's got cash flow, but not huge amounts of available cash, and so he'll charter for um, a, a year or two years or three years with an option to purchase, and at the end of the period he would exercise his option. Uh, at the same time, we've seen uh, sellers uh, do uh, what are called purchase money mortgages, where for a certain amount of cash down. Um, the 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 seller would allow the buyer to to basically take the vessel and and, and take title, uh, and at the same time the seller would take back a mortgage, and the buyer would then simply pay 
uh, or service the mortgage, much in the way you would service uh, a charter hire. But of course, the the, the new buyer would also uh, have to cover the uh, the carrying uh, cost of yachts. And yeah, as we all know, they're you know the carry on a a, a yacht is expensive. It's an expensive uh, pastime. Uh, but uh, that achieves you know both parties' objectives. The buyer can get into a, a vessel when he may not have the total amount of cash available that's not available to him from the bank, and yet the seller can get out from under the yacht and, and in some way um, um, still you know, you know, get rid of the overheads that he would otherwise have to pay and at the same time have now some new cash flow coming in in the way of uh, either mortgage payments or charter hire. I think the banks, um, by the way, are coming back. Um, one of the interesting, you know, we, there's always been a number of lenders out there um, that have been identified in the marketplace. Um, uh, you know, uh, Bank of America, uh, which has been on the sidelines from what I can see, has announced recently that it's, going, it's back in yachting and it's open for business. And, 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 and with, with something that's even a, a step up for them, they, they've announced they intend to do lending to foreign, foreign buyers. Um, and that was... Um, that's come about because of their um, uh, their Merrill Lynch acquisition. They are much more into the global marketplace and much more comfortable doing um, what are so, the so-called offshore loans, which you know, which, which is offshore vis-a-vis the United States. There has always been a, a vibrant lending network internationally. A lot of the um, in fact, I think all of the U.S. banks, the ones that we think of as marine lenders, were Johnny Come Lately. So I think that uh, they, the, the Nations Bank, uh, did not do maritime lending. They proudly did not do maritime lending. Um, they, they uh, it's, there's many quotes from various executives uh, uh, as to why not. Uh, but the long and the short of it is uh, the, all the statistics say a maritime loan is much safer than almost any other kind of loan. People mm-hmm. tend to sell the boat before, before they lose the house, et cetera, and if they do run into trouble for whatever reason, they'll, they'll sell the, they'll sell the, the vessel. Uh, but the European banks are open for business. These finance companies that are in the, in the industry that are so-called, uh, they, um, they, they have names that usually have the word finance in them, um, are funding. They are people that that network and 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 work the entire global network of banks, and their job is to determine on a day-to-day basis who's who's lending. Mm-hmm. And they are and they you know they are paid a fee for finding money. That's what they do for a living, and they do do a damn good job of it. And it's just the it's just the nature of the beast that banks, for different reasons, will sometimes have. You know more liquidity than they want. They really need to make loans, and they have limits on how much they can lend. These smaller um, European banks, uh, in many cases, I have found uh, they need to do loans, and and they and and but they can't do um, you know 10% of their portfolio to one lender. So uh, you know, couple you know, couple or three nice um, maritime loans, and um, you know their 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 portfolio portfolio is nicely balanced out. Mm-hmm, right. Boy, this has been really helpful, Michael. Thank you so much for your time today. I, you know, I'd love for us to keep going on, but we're just about out of time. So maybe we can do a part two at some point because there's so much more I know that we could cover, and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more information out there that owners and their teams could really benefit from. Well, thank you. It's been a, it's been a pleasure, and uh, any time uh, was uh, a pleasure was all mine. Terrific. Everybody, if you'd like to learn more about Michael's Legal Services, you can visit Moore & Company's website, 
which is www.more-and-co.net. That's M-O-O-R-E, by the way, not (laughs) M-O-R-E. Once again, this is Diane Byrne. Thanks for tuning in to Megayot News Radio. To learn more about the Megayot market, you can use my blog and to explore.